once again, welcome to another episode of Homeschooling Matters, where we talk about matters pertaining to homeschooling, as well as the value of homeschooling. And homeschooling has actually been on everyone's lips more often than ever before in light of recent events. Um, so much so that many people are even considering continuing to homeschool beyond the crisis. And I did an episode on that just recently in the second season of Homeschooling Matters. But of course, you know, we talk not only about homeschooling matters, but about parenting matters as well, because as I've said before, as homeschooling parents, we spend a lot more time with our children than the average parent who works outside of the home. And so we get to see our children in light of who they really are. We get to spend that much time. We get to see their issues, their challenges and so forth. And we can teach into those particular things, whether it be academic or just holistic teaching, you know, moral values and spiritual values, etc. So in light of that, since so many parents are interested in homeschooling beyond the crisis, I have with me um, a fellow homeschooler and friend. Her name is Lisa Donlan Thomas. And Lisa, I met just a few years ago. Lisa happens to be attached to the Homeschool Association of Trinidad and Tobago. She's a member, but she's also um, a very active member of the Dyslexia Association of Trinidad and Tobago. So I have her with me here on the line. And so Lisa, I'm handing over to you now to tell our listeners a little bit about you, um, who you are in terms of your affiliation with the association, but also a little bit about you, Lisa, Donald and Thomas, wife, mother, homeschooler, etc. So tell us a little bit about you. Hi, Nikki, and thank you so much for this opportunity. It's um, the first of its kind for me, and I am really, really excited about it. So just to give you a little um, idea of who I am. So I'm a wife and mother of a seven-year-old son. So I started my family late. In fact, um, when most people say they're finished, that's when I started. <laughs> I'm the first born in my family of origin, um, the, the eldest of two, of two other sisters. And I've always felt very uh, inclined towards education, my mom being a teacher. And I also struggled a bit with the way I, um, I found the whole SEA system course, when in our days it was called Common Entrance. I found it to be something that created a lot of anxiety for me. In fact, I was so nervous on the day of Common Entrance I, um, I have a little anecdote there that um, my mom gave me half of a tranquilizing pill so that I was able to sit because I, wow. I was so nervous I could not sit still. Yeah, that's to tell you. I didn't sleep the night before and I still managed to pass from my first choice school because I was that competitive and wanted to do that well. But it really did a number on me, anxious wise. <laughs> and so it has always been a problem for me, the whole idea of how education has been, um, you know, just the, the way it has been in school, all the systems. Yes. I've always had an issue. I've always been thinking about it. It's been a passion. And my mom stared me far away from education as I grew even though I thought I could teach, she said, no, don't do that. Her basic idea was teachers don't make enough money. <laughs> so I didn't go down that road. <laughs> yeah, I actually didn't. I wasn't allowed to take that, that course when you're under your parents' home, you know. Right. So I ended up doing my, um, my degree in marketing and my career was in marketing. Until I reached the age of 40 and I said, you know what? 
I am getting older and I want to do what I want to do. I had met the Dyslexia Association because I was raising funds for them via the United Way of Trinidad and Tobago. So I met with them. I met Catherine Kelshall, who touched my heart with her stories of helping dyslexic children. And so that was my first um, stop. I said, let me see how I can get involved. I got involved first by learning the course and teaching kids. And what I found was happening um, as I began teaching is I met kids who were purely dyslexic. And then I met kids who just had other different learning abilities like attention deficits, some on the, um, the underactive side, some on the hyperactive side. And it was just feeding this passion in me to understand how best to reach kids who were not learning in the traditional ways. Right. Right. Um, I'm, I'm saying quite a lot, but I, um, so I'm going to talk now about how I started the homeschool journey because that happened when my son came along a few years later. Right. Mm-hmm. And when he came along, I began to seriously consider it for many reasons. One, I had felt that, you know, the school system didn't offer the opportunity for, for much spiritual um, foundation, at least yeah. the schools that I knew of. Mm-hmm. Um, it also, I was at odds with the way they taught towards SEA instead of teaching the whole child. Correct. And this sort of rote learning and chalk and talk and, you know, where kids were not afforded many other opportunities other than, um, you know, regurgitating notes. So I began to seek to learn about homeschooling when he turned that age to go to school like four. But I wouldn't, I have to say that being a teacher myself of other kids, when I taught my own son, I froze. I started to panic. I felt like, oh my God, I can't do this. Um, of course, I believed all the things people were telling me that it wouldn't be enough social for him being an only child. And I, yes. my First, um, um, should I say, my first take at homeschooling, I, I caved. I caved into all the fears and anxieties about it. And, and I, being a perfectionist, <laughs> I was also very hard on him. So it, I spent a lot of the day screaming at him. And I said, you know what? I think I should stop before I damage this child. <laughs> right. So he was young enough. Huh? So I sent him back to school. Well, I sent him into a school. Within two, two terms, I recognized that he wasn't doing well in a class of 25 plus kids. He just had the teachers pulling out their hair, um, reports daily on problems with him. And so I switched him to a smaller school. And actually, the problems got worse because what I recognized is while it was smaller, they didn't do it differently. They still expected my very lively kinesthetic learner to sit and take notes from a board and be quiet. Everything he couldn't do, it was not his strength, right? So mm-hmm. he was frustrated and coming home every day, very, very upset. And I said, okay, I need to relook at this. We, we removed him from that school because it really was causing his um, anxiety to go out of the window every morning. He would be sick to his stomach. There was some bullying taking place. And most of concern to me was the fact that he was missing. He was missing in the school. He would go to class, leave to go to the bathroom, and then not reappear for sometimes 10 and more minutes. 
Wow. And um, I didn't know where he was. Being a mom, I'm home. I didn't know where he was. And the teacher never told me about it until the last, last few meetings we had where she kind of admitted that this was happening. And I said, you know what? This school is not going to work. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. took him back home with the intention of um, just trying to a little homeschooling because I had spoken to a friend and she said, you know, your child really needs somebody who loves him and will nurture his heart and teach his heart instead of um, what has been happening with him. And that touched me, those words teaching my son's heart. And I began to realize here I have this individual who, who I know his heart better than any of those teachers. Many of those teachers made judgments of him that were incorrect, yeah. but that's all they knew. They didn't know my son. So I began to study him a little bit, got some books, reading about strong will kids. And I also took him for a psych ed evaluation because I wanted to know why this was happening and what was really happening with him. And in the meanwhile, while doing that, I have to say that I, I began to, to get confident that I am called to homeschool because COVID-19 appeared and everybody gets called to homeschooling at that point, right? Yeah, correct. <laughs> and for me, that was like, yeah, that was like a stamp. God, okay, I'm hearing you loud and clear. If I ever <laughs> thought you were not telling me to homeschool, now I'm hearing you. <laughs> and since that day, I have to tell you, Nikki, I have enjoyed every time we meet for school. And that's every day, right? But every day yeah. has been a different adventure. So is, um, take a pause. And I know you yeah. want to hear a little more about the dyslexia. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. yeah, that's fine, Lisa. I'm happy that mm-hmm. you shared. You basically you shared your heart and your journey because your journey is your journey. It's your journey. Nobody could take that away from you. And I want to thank you for your honesty yeah. because, you know, sometimes people, they start homeschooling and then they think it's going to be a particular way. And when it doesn't turn out that way, they throw in the towel, they give up, and then that's it. And you have done that, but then you came back. And I thank God that you were sensitive enough, because in the post that I'm preparing to share, I'm talking about the fact that only a parent, nobody can know a child better than that child's parent, unless, of course, that parent is an irresponsible parent. But a parent will know that child or their child better than any teacher. Now, I understand that people don't believe that everybody is cut out for homeschooling. I mean, even you talked about the fact that you were a little bit, um, you're a perfectionist, and so you had very high standards, and so you were getting a bit, I guess, frustrated from time to time, so it lent itself to you screaming at him. But I think if we could recognize, just like your friend had said, teaching to the hearts of our children is so much more important. You know, I took a picture of my little ones this morning. I have a lot of work to prepare for a class that I'm teaching on Saturday. Um, I'm teaching some adults something on Saturday. And in looking at my week and how many things I have to get done, I'm looking at them this morning. I'm saying, okay, let me corral them and get them ready to get school done. And then I realized, you know what? What they're doing is just as much school. They had all of their trains and sets and food and their, their, their little stall and stuff. And they were busy playing and enjoying each other's company. Um, and that yeah. is something that I can't, I can't teach them that. They were learning so many skills in the midst of it. They were learning how to share. They were learning camaraderie. They were learning, they were using their imagination. They were being, they were using ingenuity mm-hmm. because they were discovering things and building things and creating things, you know, I, and I just sat back in amazement. So they played in the, in the porch mm-hmm. and in the garage. And I sat on the, in, in the front porch with my computer in, you know, in sight of them and in, in 
um, where I could hear them and so forth and earshot of them. And they played busily while I did what I was supposed to do. And nobody was frustrated. And all, I was getting my stuff done. I was being productive. And so were they. So this teaching to the road and teaching to the exam and stuff, I totally hear you with that. There's so much more to our children. And there's so much more I can say about that. But I'll leave it there for now. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about the Dyslexia Association of Trinidad and Tobago. What is your affiliation with them? Um, what are they about? Of course, the name implies, right? But tell us a little bit more about them. All right. So in 2011, um, prior to to becoming pregnant with my my son, I joined the association after teaching for a couple of years. They invited me to the board. I joined in the capacity of the um, human resource consulting mm-hmm. consultant, and also now I have taken over the portfolio of public relations officer. Okay. So voluntarily, you know, we meet as a board every quarter. And I, um, I have a real keen interest in helping in the structuring of the organization and, and how we are also perceived, you know, in the public. So this is my, my passion again. Um, you know, we, helping children mm-hmm. is the real core value of the Dyslexia Association. Dyslexia, though, let me speak to dyslexia just so you know. It's hidden. It's a hidden disability. So it's not something that um, is very clear in a classroom. And it can be very difficult to understand because you can have a very bright child, very verbally with it, excellent vocabulary. But when it comes to sitting down to write or take notes from a board, they may never finish the task. Or when they finish the task, it looks nothing like what the teacher wrote on the board. And many teachers who don't understand it will start to say, you're not trying, you know, um, what happened to you? Wow. <laughs> you know, a lot of, a lot of teachers can be very difficult on, you know, to be around when you're a child like that, because this is not something they know is wrong because their brain is telling them something different. So it really is um, a struggle. It's mm-hmm. a re- result of a brain that is not well designed to learning to read, write, and spell. So dyslexia speaks to language, um, problems with language, whereas we have dyscalculia, which is problems with numbers, the person mm-hmm. who cannot do math. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No matter how jump high low you teach them math, mm-hmm. they cannot understand anything about that, that concept. That's a different disability, right? Dyslexia right. is lex, lexicon, lex has to do with words. Right. So, um, if I and there's also a bit of a, there's yeah. also this there's also dyspraxia and dysgraphia. Right. Mm-hmm. This well, I actually won't speak too much to that because I'm I don't have the specific um definitions for either of those, but mm-hmm. I know dysgraphia would have some what has more to do with the handwriting part. Yes. You're not being able to write the words, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um so yes. But dyslexia, though, is, it, it's a congenital organizing disability. <laughs> All of that means that hand skills, short-term memory, perception of words, th- these things are not the way uh, another type of child who is considered normal, but normal being really not a good word, but a child who, reg- who, who does well in a system such as ours in education yeah. has a different type of degree. Yes. They, their brain is wired differently. So a dyslexic child has a differently wired brain. So much so that a lot of the dyslexics in our world 
um, have other strengths that have made them extremely successful because of um, being, a- being able to channel, channel their, their strengths. You know, like we have um, Andrew Lewis, who is a very successful Olympiad. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's our, our Olympia um, sailor. Yeah. And, um, and other things, you know, we have people like the Virgin Airlines, Whoopi Goldberg, famous dyslexic. Tom Cruise, famous dyslexic. Albert Einstein, you know, they mm-hmm. thought they saw outside the box. So we always try to remind children when they come to us that they are very, very significant. In fact, I remember one of my first um, homeschool kids that I, t- I helped who had myriads of issues with neurological development and dyslexia was fascinating to me because not only was he bright but he worked so hard mm-hmm. and many many kids who have these problems work harder than the ones who just kind of naturally come to it because they have to they, you yeah. know they don't see things the same way so they have to try harder and it makes them extremely successful in life if the parents and the other adults in their life who have a a say are able to channel them the right direction and not try and force them into the you know the little mold the mold that's correct so I was yes so one of the things that um that's part of my core belief system and I want to say that um there are ways that you can tell I, I I know I may be jumping the gun on your question but It's important, especially as a mom, as a parent, that we recognize when our child is struggling with reading or Mm -hmm. rhyming. Actually, the earliest teller, the earliest sign that a child could be having an issue like dyslexia is an inability to rhyme. So it's, it's, it's sort of natural that we, we feel we grow up just being able to sing these nursery rhymes with rhymes. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the cat, the fat cat sat on a mat wearing a hat Hot, mat, sat, fat, no problem for me. Uh A dyslexic, you will say, can you find a word that that rhymes with cat? And they may tell you, cane. And you would wonder, because your brain is wired like that, how could they think that, that it rhymes? But it's just virtually impossible for them to rhyme unless taught specifically what Mm -hmm. what it means to rhyme. You know, for us, it's natural. They need to actually be taught how to, or what's the mechanics behind it. So teaching a dyslexic child means teaching, reteaching the brain, having their neurons in their brain rewired to be able to figure out language. So I will pause because I'm pretty sure I said a lot there. No, that's Anything? fine. It's fine. It's natural. It's organic. It's fine. If you have to segue into another point, it's, it's quite fine. That's fine with, um, with me. So you already... Mm-hmm. mentioned how you already mentioned how we could basically recognize it in our children as parents yeah um hopefully it can be edited out you've already recognized or told us how we can recognize um the signs of this dyslexia in our own children what can we do about it do we have to go see a specialist or come to the association to see someone like yourself to have our children tested, what's the next step for parents with children with this um, challenge? Okay, so I, I want to say though, um, just a few more things about the signs because I mentioned rhyming and I mentioned trouble with language, right? Mm-hmm. But you might also see 
the child becoming extremely frustrated and, and angry about school. Right. You know, it, it behaviorally, if a child is acting out of character, it could be that sign. Now, in all ages, children, adults, can, can dyslexia never goes away. I need right. to say that. Mm-hmm. Adult dyslexics, I just had a communication with a friend. He is um, older than I am, and he wrote Periton, P-E-R, O-T-A-N and I, I corrected him just automatically and he told me he was dyslexic so I said okay and I realized that really and truly for him it, he was writing Puritan mm-hmm. you know so this um this is not something that goes away in fact I remember also my gynecologist told me he was dyslexic and he made it through to his medical degree and everything by having a laptop that helped him write his papers Wow. So the good thing about life now is that there's so much technology that can help. A child mm-hmm. can even speak voice to text and not have to worry too much about writing things themselves. Mm-hmm. However, in the school system of Trinidad and Tobago, and this is why homeschooling is precious, a dyslexic child would not survive without lessons, without a, would not survive well, should I say, or thrive. Mm-hmm. without having a lessons teacher, someone who is professionally trained. And this is not someone who is doing extra lessons, more of the same. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. this is not for someone who is taking a group of kids and just reteaching or doing homework supervision. This is a person who has been taught how to teach to his brain or her brain right. by, by, by a series of special programs, right? So you're asking, what does the Dyslexia Association do? Mm-hmm. Well, other than support, we do support heavily by bursary funding where we support parents who cannot afford the lessons fees because lessons for dyslexic should be frequent and should be um, so that's four days a week. And, yeah. it, you know, it runs you an average of the lowest scale I know is like $75 an hour, but it can go up to 250 an hour. So just imagine the cost a parent who has a dyslexic child mm-hmm. four times a week. You might be paying close to $1,000 a week, mm-hmm. if depending on who you get, right? Yeah. So we, we do have support. We do, we do support and, and people can write in and get help where the teacher takes a part of the burden. The parents pay what they can and the rest comes from the fund. Right. So you we do also, have teachers we that also educate. Are- Okay, sorry, I, would, I jumped mm-hmm. the gun there. You do have teachers who offer this service at the association. Yes. So the, okay. we, 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 first and foremost, our signature program is, is something called Methods in Teaching Dyslexia. Mm-hmm. We run an annual course, and, and we also run two courses, which are taught by another, um, another professional called the Now Foundations. And... Now, mental imagery, which are two, phonological awareness and comprehension of an expressive language type um, training, which the teachers learn how to help a dyslexic child in different ways. But the signature program that we do is our specific methods for teaching dyslexics. And we have trained over a thousand tutors, teachers all over Trinidad and Tobago. So most of Trinidad and Tobago, there's at least one or two people in every part, in every corner that knows okay. how to help you. 
Okay, because I was just thinking we this is a program going. that they should probably have, the Ministry of Education should help to mm-hmm. fund, perhaps, because more teachers need to learn it. I mean, I'm sure there are many children sitting down in our nation's classrooms that are really suffering. And I'm sure um, yeah. a lot of parents are unaware that this service was even available or they may have heard of the association but didn't know exactly what this what what service the association provided. So this is really good because I didn't even know. I knew this association existed, yes. but I didn't know exactly what they provide. I guess because it hasn't hit home for me, so there was no need for me to really go and research mm-hmm. it. But through this podcast, because I do have parents who reach out to me privately, and of course, from time to time, you will see a post on Facebook or wherever on social media, and people are asking questions about, okay, so how do I educate a child with ADHD or, or dyslexia or whatever the case may be? Um, you know, you have an, I already had in mind for this entire season since one of my guest speakers last season had spoken about all the different issues with her children and we, the topic of dys- yeah. dysgraphia, dyslexia, um, ADHD, and so on, uh, autism had been raised, I figured that it would be a good thing to speak to each of these challenges since a lot of people mm-hmm. were thrust into the role of educating their children at home, different from homeschooling, <laughs> educating their children at home. So they need to know <laughs> these things about their child. And then um, just for those who are thinking of going beyond the crisis, beyond the pandemic, when this is all yeah. over, you know, what, you know, what you need to know. And even if you don't, con- even if you don't continue schooling at home, Having the information and rec- mm-hmm. recognizing the tells in your children, the weaknesses, it's, I mean, it's tantamount for you being able to help your child as a parent, whether they're home with you being educated or not. You know, this is invaluable information. So yeah. I, I myself, I'm really grateful, Lisa, because I didn't know exactly the role that the association played. I just thought, okay, it was an association for right. people who have children with dyslexia, but what do they do? So thank you so much for bringing that to the fore. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned something as well concerning adults. It's something that does not go away. I was going to ask you that question. How can adults be helped through yeah. the association or, you know, what have you? Right. So other than training of the teachers, which are more the primary school level kids, um, we are closely associated with the Adult Literacy Association, that's called ALTA. Mm-hmm. Um, they have used a similar method to, to, um, to have a, a course designed specifically for adults. So many adults will go that way because then they're more in a room with their own their age. contemporaries, yeah. Um, they're doing contemporaries. And they're learning things that are more targeted, so like how to read the newspapers, the Bible, whatever is their interest. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, using very similar methods to help their brain be able to get to read and to spell and to write what they want, would like to see, you know? Mm-hmm. So that, so the ALTA course, which I think runs for a year and they can be repeated in another year, is, is a very good option for an adult dyslexic. Mm-hmm. However, there are adults, and I have taught one or two, that choose to come this route and have a tutor just one-on-one with, mainly because they're embarrassed to yeah. let somebody know this, this is their problem. Yeah. You know, adults have that problem. Whereas a kid, a kid would be... <laughs> Uh, easier to deal with before the teens, before they hit their teens, you know. Mm-hmm. So we look at age six as the entry age for um, for recognizing and starting to teach them because they have to at least have had some some idea of of um, letters and the alphabet and how the sounds and so on in order to successfully start most of the program. 
Okay. There have been one or two times that I've actually had to teach it. But most kids come in with an idea and now we're helping them put it together. Mm-hmm. So I want to say that, that um, we, we not only help a child who's having problems, but we assess the child. And our assessment is hmm, very, very small in, in terms of the cost compared to if they have to go straight towards a psych ed assessment. We okay. do not claim to be psychologists to say we know that this is what the child has. But our assessment allows us to then say this is how we can help because we know once we once we assess how a child can be helped mm-hmm. and channel them to the right tutor, whatever part of the world, Trinidad, our world, you know. Um, nowadays, okay. it's interesting because a lot of online teaching is happening and it can happen. Yes, so via Zoom and other, yes, yes. It hasn't stopped us from being able to continue in helping the kids, you know. For an adult, though, we have a library of adult books, audio books. So a lot of dyslexic adults want to read, they want to think, but it's too hard. They can get their audio books. Mm-hmm. So they, they join up with a small fee. The membership is almost zero. I'd say $10 or $15 a, um, a year annually. And that gives them access to the library of, their, of our books, which are all audio and DVD. So oh, wow. we have okay. offer quite a bit, yes. And we definitely um, okay. keep in touch, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. great. That is so much, Um, I mean, invaluable information. I really do appreciate this chat. So how can someone get in contact with the Dyslexia Association of Trinidad and Tobago, Lisa? Right. So Dyslexia Association, at this point do not have um, an open office because of COVID-19 measures. So we ask okay. that you join us on our Facebook page for, and leave mm-hmm. contact information via the Facebook page or email us, info mm-hmm. at dyslexiatt.org. So that's info right. at dyslexiatt.org. Our telephone is landline right now. We're, we're looking at converting to a mobile phone, and that will be advertised okay. via our Facebook page, but that hasn't happened yet, unfortunately. As yet. We, ha- we don't have a phone number as yet, but it is in process. So by the end of the week, I'm mm-hmm. thinking our Facebook page will be updated with our mobile number where you can reach our office assistant. If you had to come in, though, okay. it's located in, in um, Woodbrook, 31 Alberto Street, Woodbrook. Okay, great. I mean, the thing is, everybody's on social, well, practically everybody's on social media. So I don't think having just the Facebook page for now would be a problem. And we also have a website. I have, I should have said that okay. first. But the social page <laughs> does link, link to the website, which is um, dyslexiatt.org. Yeah, it's, we, are, okay. um, we have our own website where you can also communicate through there. So Okay, yeah. great. Great. So, Lisa, thank you so very much for your sharing. I mean, I have been enlightened, and I'm sure our listening audience will be as well. Um, people are listening from all over the world. So while it may basically be specifically for Trinidad and Tobago, I am sure there are associations elsewhere, and people will now have an idea as to what the associations have to offer. Yes. Thank all you. Right, so thanks again, Lisa. Yep. And, and there's You're one welcome. Thing. There's one thing I want you to know that, I mean, we are all, we, I am part of the Home School Association, yes. So when people ask questions, feel free. If 
I happen to miss it, to send them towards mm-hmm. me or, and I can put them in touch. It's very, very okay, much sure. Thanks, Nikki. I really okay, appreciate it. Thanks again. You're yeah. welcome. You're welcome. So, listeners, you've just heard from Lisa Donnellan Thomas, a member of the Homeschool Association of Toronto and Tobago, but also the public relations um, person <laughs> at the Dyslexia Association of Trinidad and Tobago, and fellow homeschooling mom and friend. Take care. Talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.